Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What a joy it is to be here with you today, and I welcome you, whether you are brand new or not so brand new, whether you're a member or a visitor, it is the Lord that has brought you here. It's the Lord that's brought us here, and I'm simply delighted that he has done so. Now, as far as announcements go, I would normally point you to your bulletin, but your bulletin today is a sheet of paper, and the reason for this is that we had a little mishap this past week in the session room. Had to do with an AC line that got clogged, and, and now there's like a new skylight in, in the office. And uh, our copier, when I said, well, let me check on the copier, I opened it and water poured out of the front of it. So it's been one of those sorts of weeks. So we appreciate your patience as we get all of that stuff sorted out. Now, even so, there are some announcements listed that I'll let you find. But seeing as how today is the big day, Vacation Bible School, obviously these are not our normal uh, accoutrements to the sanctuary, but I'll call on my lovely wife, Amanda, to make some announcements. Good morning. morning. <laughs> um, this will be the last time that you will hear from me, I promise. Um, tonight at 5.30 we start Vacation Bible School. I hope you're as excited as I am. Um, but I need some helpers right after the church service, uh, men especially, because we need to move some, some things up here. We need to move some tables and that kind of thing. So if you will help us um, immediately after this service, um, you can just gather right here, and I'll kind of start directing to where we need to move things. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, and if you have not signed up to help and you want to help, show up at 5 o'clock today. If you are signed up to help, show up at 5 o'clock today, and we will have a great week. Please be praying. Um, I, th I think that the Lord's going to do some amazing things, and so just be praying for this week. Thanks. I agree. I think the Lord is really going to be doing some amazing things. There's a reason why lots of things happen all at one time. Y'all, the devil is real, and, and he really is working. So, do please be in prayer, and those of you that have already committed to help, thank you in advance for everything that you are going to be doing. Now, um, again, uh, folks will be meeting down here. Deacons, after my wife is finished with you, you're going to be meeting in the choir room too. Matt just, just mentioned that. Um, obviously, we can't meet in the office. Now, um, as far as today goes, maybe you've already noticed from my voice, but I am not feeling too good right now. I think it's just a sinus infection, but I was up most of the night coughing, fever, all of that kind of stuff, so I'm trying to preserve my voice as much as possible, and I'm trying not to share this with people, so I am not going to be shaking hands at the portico, um, so again, as not to risk sharing what I've got with you. Also, we will not be having a children's sermon. Instead, children will be dismissed after the first hymn, and i got to warn you right now, if I start coughing, right, I... Uh, I need to go ahead and get it out. I have some of my trusty fisherman's friend cough drops, right? They look like cat food, but they don't taste nearly as good as cat food. So if I have this scowl on my face, you, you will know why right now. So I'm, I'm just warning you in advance. Now, one more thing. Next week, I'm going to be out of town. Um, and, and let me clarify. Obviously, we'll be here all the way through Vacation Bible School. But one week from today, I am not going to be here. Reverend Rich Brown will be filling in for me, and I do hope that you'll make every effort to be here. But I will be around this week, though, 
um, and gone the next week. Now, there are more things I could mention, but I think that that's plenty. Let's prepare our hearts for worship as Ghana leads us in the prayer. Our, psalm to, or our call to worship this morning is found in Psalm 139, and I've chosen this psalm based not only on the passage that will be in today from the Psalms, and it's not 139, but I've chosen this based on where we're going to be today, but also in light of Vacation Bible School and the overall theme of the week and the thrust behind what Vacation Bible School really is in helping children see who has created them, what their place is, all of these different things that are so very important. But in Psalm 139, we read, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created me in my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And my friends, this is certainly the case with all of us. It's definitely the case with our children. What a blessing it is to have the opportunity that stretches before us this week. But what a blessing it is every single day. Even with the sound of a child in my ears as I say these things, what sweeter possible sound, and I told Kristen this last week, but what sweeter possible sound could there be in a sanctuary than the sound of a child? Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a wondrous, glorious thing that the Lord has allowed us to be a part of. So as we come together to worship him, let us keep these things in mind. And now, as we go to prayer, I'll, I'll lead us in prayer, but afterwards we'll pray the Lord's Prayer and confess the Apostles' Creed together. But let's go to Him. Our God and our Father, what a blessing. What a glorious opportunity you have given to us right here, right now, to step away from the busyness, away from just the pattern of this world that we can get stuck in and, and we blink and it's already July and, and time moves so fast. You've given us right now. You've given us this moment calling us out of those things so that we can focus on you, so that we can go to your word, so that we can lift up songs of praise, so that we can pray, and all through Jesus Christ. So please, now, right here at the start, guide us in this time. Let it be 
pleasing to you. Let it glorify your name, for you alone are worthy. We pray these things in Christ's name, and we also pray as he taught us to pray, by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Now let's continue our worship by standing and taking our hymn books and turning to number 100, where we will sing 1, 2, 3, 5, and 6, those verses of all creatures of our God and King. Please stand.
may be seated and children may now be dismissed for Children's Church right over this away. And as they are being dismissed, let's take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer uh, as we consider all that God has done for us and as we consider our needs. And then I will lead us in the pastoral prayer right over this way, darling. Let's go to our Lord now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, again it is with the sound of children in our ears that we come to you with hearts filled with gratitude, standing in amazement and awe at your majesty, at your grace, at your power. And though you are indeed the God of the universe, you are our Father. You love us. More than anyone else, certainly more than, than we love ourselves as we consider what we've already read in, in your word, what we've lifted up to you in song, it is through you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know the, the, the words on our mouths before we even say them. We can go nowhere, nowhere that you cannot hold on to us. What a beautiful, beautiful idea this is. And even more than an idea, what a wonderful reality it is to live. To be a child of the living God. Being told not only to come to you in praise, but to come to you with those things that we want. Not even just the things that we think we need. For, for so often we're wrong about the things that we think we need. And you know better and, and you provide better. But, but you tell us even to come to you with those things that we would like. And as your word says, you love to give us good gifts and and Father, that this congregation is an example of this. Your faithfulness throughout the generations is humbling. And it's all to your glory and to your credit. And we thank you, Father. As we consider the generations of your faithfulness and what is coming up this week, we pray that you would be at work in our midst. Father, I, I don't know everyone who will be here this year, either for the children's classes or for the adult class. I don't know who you are going to bring, but I know you're going to bring the right ones. I know that you will bring exactly who you want to bring and that you will bring them for a reason. So even now, not knowing all who will be here, I pray that you would work in everyone's hearts and everyone's minds, that they would be receptive not only to your gospel, but also to the truth of your word that reveals the nature of this world that we're living in, that, that there are two kingdoms, one of light and one of darkness. And all, Father, that we would advance the kingdom of light, your kingdom as your children. Help us this week. Already things have happened this past week that, that we know it's the evil one attacking. Everything from ceilings falling in to air conditioning, units going out, even I, I think me being sick. All of this, it comes down to, to the fact that, that we know that if, if we're doing what the devil wants, he'll leave us alone. But, Father, you've called us to be in the fight, to be in the battle for your kingdom. So enable us to do this with strength and with power, and we'll give you the praise and honor and glory. 
As we think about being in the fight, we realize there are challenges, challenges like sickness, challenges like loss. I pray that you would be with our people, that you would strengthen them again and again. And I pray that you would be with your church worldwide. Christians that are in such danger, that are in harm's way by simply testifying to your name. What liberties we have that we take for granted here. Convict us of what you have given to us so that we would use it for your glory and for your kingdom and our good. And for our brothers and sisters who do not have these freedoms, who are in harm's way, we ask that you would protect them, but that you would spur them along, that they would share the truth of Jesus Christ more and more. We thank you for the world that we live in, this world that oftentimes is disappointing, but is beautiful and free and wonderful because you have made it so and you are redeeming it. As you work your act of redemption, we thank you that we are a part of it. Let us be faithful as we serve you and one another. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now let us continue our time of worship by taking our green Bible song books and singing number 17, I Will Joy, Bible song number 17. Please stand with me as we sing.
go to our Lord and our Father as we come to this portion of the service. We're reminded in your word that you tell us that you love a joyous, a joyful giver. And so now, as we collect tithes and offerings, I pray that you would bless the gift. I pray that you would bless the giver, that these would be used in accordance with your will and for your kingdom. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated.
much choir. I wonder how often you take the time to dwell on the excellence of God, on the power of God, as the choir has just lifted up. This certainly appropriate anthem, given, in, given where we're going to be today, but how often do you take the time to really dwell on the power of God? It's a wonderful reminder. Thank you very much, choir. Well, well, today as we open God's Word, we are back in Israel's songbook, the book of Psalms. And where we find ourselves today is incredibly appropriate given the fact that tonight we kick off our week of Vacation Bible School, wherein, again, I mentioned it earlier, where we're going to focus on the two kingdoms. And that's our theme, Keepers of the Kingdom this year. Because there really are only two kingdoms in the world. There's God's kingdom, a kingdom of light, and then there's the kingdom of darkness, which does all it can to destroy the light. And that kingdom is inhabited by all those who do not know God and are at enmity with Him. So this week, we're going to be focusing on these realities and what God has given His children to stand up to the kingdom of darkness. And not just in a defensive posture, because we're in the fight for God's kingdom, you see. And the Lord has equipped us to go on the offensive as well. So it's very exciting stuff. And like the Psalms that point to who God is and who we're supposed to be, our study for Vacation Bible School is really going to be doing the same thing. And overall, through it, our hope is that all who attend will be witness to the awesome power of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as I asked before, I wonder, how often do you stand amazed as you consider these things? How often do you ponder the glory of God and how God does what he does? It was Sinclair Ferguson, who was our, our pastor at our church in Columbia, down in South Carolina, Columbia First. He's an international author. He talked about this challenge that he would do where he would challenge someone to just sit in a room without a phone, without anything else, and just think about Jesus for five minutes. And he said that most weren't able to do it because most people don't know five minutes worth of Jesus. And if you've never sat down and pondered the glory of God, the blessings that he's bestowed, the ways that he's protected you. This morning I heard a story of God's protection. And the fact is, is that God protects us every day in ways that we don't even see. But if you never take the time to stop and ponder the Almighty, then sadly your answer to this question, are you amazed by the glory of God, if you never take the time to stop and ponder, the answer would probably be no. But I hope that you do ponder God's glory. I hope that you do consider what it means to belong to him. Do you take that time? Again, I've talked about protection. I've talked about blessings. Do you marvel at his creation? Even at the fact that you exist as you do. I hope so. For you see, the way that you view yourself and the way that you view God is contingent on what you really believe about God. And what you see in God. Now, while God's word speaks to who God is and who we are throughout the scriptures and throughout the Psalms, it is in Psalm 8 that we see these things ever so clearly. So, um, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 8 with me. That's where we're going to be today. If you are amazed by God's glory, let me tell you you are in good company because the same is true with David, the psalmist here. Now, uh, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 8. I'm using the NIV edition found in your pew Bible this week, again, due to its length.
go to our Lord in prayer. Our God and our Father, please be with us now as we come to your word. Help us to understand it and to understand it not just in the sense of, of gathering knowledge, not just in the sense of, oh, well, that's good advice, but instead help us to see your word as regulative, that it is binding, that it is the only perfect rule for faith and how to live. And as a result, let us see how your word applies to us. Give us the courage to ponder, to consider what you would have us to do in light of what is taught here today, right now. We're not going to do any of this without your Holy Spirit, so please guide us now. We pray these things in, in Christ's name and, and with grateful hearts. Amen. Now, Psalm 8, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and Consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. Thus ends Psalm 8. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. Well, as I said before reading, if you're amazed at the awesomeness of God, if you wonder at God's glory... You're in good company because as we just read, Psalm 8 is written. the earth where in the entirety of creation y'all do you realize that the by even faith itself and a lot of people don't grasp that concept but personally and, and this is me personally my, my thoughts on this and i would take off the the, the pastor tie and put it aside if I didn't have to put it back on. But nevertheless, my, my school of thought on, when it comes to this is, is that, that anything is excellent. Anything that's excellent, anything that's good, anything requiring skill and precision, or anything that results in beauty and excellence, all of it is for God's glory and the majesty of God. Now, why do I say that? And, and there's many schools of thought on this, but Abraham Kuyper, and I don't accept all of his theology, but, but nonetheless, I agree with him on this, uh, on this note. This is what he said about Christ. He says, there's not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. In other words, there isn't one portion of creation that when it produces beauty, 
when it produces excellence, because all of it belongs to Christ. Everything good points to God's glory, whether the people doing it want that or not. Kuiper took this philosophy and he applied it to the controversy of his time. It was over secular music and religious art, and there were people that said, no, these people that are making this art, they don't love the Lord, or they're making this music, they don't love the Lord. But Kuiper pointed to the fact that because everything belongs to Jesus, anything excellent points to his glory. And it doesn't matter what the person that makes it wants because it's all God's anyway. And I think that this makes sense and it, and it goes along perfectly with the fact that God's name is majestic in all the earth. And that means it's majestic whether people want it to be or not. It's all God's. That's why the rest of verse 1 goes on to say that God has set his glory above the heavens. His glory supersedes the circumstances of this world. This means there's an untouchable quality to God's glory. It, it can't be corrupted. It can't be smeared or lessened because it transcends all things based on God's identity and his essence. Look, it comes to this. God can't help but be glorious. Do you realize that? And he'll never stop being glorious no matter what. No matter what anybody says about him or blames on him. He himself is glory. But David in the psalm doesn't stop there in describing God's glory. Not only is he majestic in all the earth. No, his glory is set above the heavens. From verse 2 we find out this also. That from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. What a powerful thought this is. We, we need to recognize the beauty of what David has just said here. He said that God has taken those that are the weakest in society. And he is so majestic, he's so glorious, he's so powerful that praises from the weakest part of society, namely children and infants, that the praises of children and infants tower over his fiercest opponents. screaming, all of the yelling, all of the opposition against God and his kingdom. It's for this reason that the rest of the Psalms tell us the things that they do, like last week, right? We saw, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. This idea that the lips of children and infant bringing praise are more powerful than anything else on earth, it points to the fact that there are so many components to creation that are not eternal, but God is. And it's with this in mind that things shift in our passage. The fact that human beings are nothing compared to God, that David truly marvels and wonders at why God is the way he is. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. Now, after glorifying God, after considering God's glory in all of its wholeness, he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. That's really something to ponder, isn't it? Basically, what David asks is, in light of all that God is, who are we? God's glory is so immense. He's so great. He's so powerful. What? Why, who are human beings that, 
we are even held in regard by God. This is the same David, mind you, that wrote so many other psalms about how we really are. How we're not naturally good. How we're not naturally God's allies. Instead, naturally, we're God's enemies. We're conceived in sin. What we are really like apart from God. Yet here in Psalm 8, he asks this question. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. David is bewildered here. That God in all of his glory would even be bothered by us. Much less love us so much. Do so much for us. Especially in how he created all things. You ever thought about that before? Look at how David describes creation there. Verses 5 through 8. Talking about humanity, mankind. He said... God placed him over all these things. You you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and you crowned him with glory and honor. This is the same David that says we're conceived in sin and yet God crowns us in glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. And he goes on to describe how all of creation is under humanity. God placed mankind over all these things. And he really did, you know. that. And I know this is contrary to what's out there in the world. But when you look at how God created all things, what you find in the very beginning is Adam and Eve in the garden. You've got to go all the way back to Genesis. But you find out why human beings were created. He says, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Humanity's job and the flood, right? God told Noah to fill the earth and subdue it all over again. And all of this points to the fact that God has placed people at the absolute pinnacle of creation. And this is something that we steadily forget, but do you realize this? And this has implications, especially for our modern world that is so warped and twisted. The world that protects rare lizard species, but not human beings. I'm not saying we shouldn't protect endangered species, but but my my point is here that things have become so skewed, so, so, so twisted, they're so off. I'm not saying that animals are not important. Look, I, I love animals, but as much as I love animals, they're not people. And, and I don't mean to pick on vegans. If you're a vegan, that, that's your deal. How you could live in a world without bacon wrap, wrap shrimp is beyond me. But you know what? Do your thing, right? <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, it's this prevailing attitude that animals are, are elevated to not even people stage. Animals are rising above people. G.K. Chesterton said, wherever animal worship is present, human sacrifice is soon to follow. He said this 150 years ago, something like that. Right, And not only that, it's the recreation too. As much as I love trees, for instance. Trees aren't people either. And creation is wonderful. But God has placed mankind at the pinnacle of creation. Placing all things under us. That's what's revealed in Psalm 8. And what is David's reaction to this? It's fascinating because after saying these things and showing how God created human beings at the absolute top, placing everything under their feet, you would think that David would go on to offer an explanation of why God did this. 
You think that he'd offer some sort of rationale or reasoning, but he doesn't do that. David, in wonder and amazement, all he does is end just like he began. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I'm not saying the reasons aren't important as to why God has placed us at the pinnacle of creation. But David's reaction is correct. This should be our first reaction too. To marvel at God's glory. To marvel at his mercy in not only creating us at the top of creation and placing everything under us, but in the fact that he cares for us. I know that life can be very difficult. I, I really do. I know that there are things that happen that beat you down and beat you down again. And, and, and it is easy to conclude sometimes, well, does God hate me? Or maybe you've already concluded God hates you and you start asking, why does God hate me so much? And we can go down this road. But y'all, take the time to stop. And consider that the same God who loved you enough to send his own son to die for you has provided for you in so many ways. And that's not to say that life is perfect. It's not to say that life isn't sometimes very, very difficult. But if you will stop and pay attention to your blessings. It's glorious. And I'm not saying what you've been through or what you're going through is not serious and very difficult. I'm sure that it is. But God's love for you is amazing. And David recognizes that and his response is awe. And that's what ours should be too. But y'all, the fact is, is that there's more than that for us here to respond to. This is a wonderful passage. Maybe you said, okay, well, great. Well, now so what? Well, in light of Psalm 8, here's the so what. The first one we've already talked about. We should be in awe of God's majesty. Right, We are the recipients of his grace. We should dwell on his majesty because in him we find comfort and peace and help. So even though there's more to this passage than simply being in awe of God, that's where we ought to start. In gratitude. In praise. But that's not where we should end because you see, after reading what God has done, we also should like the lesson that if God values people, so should we. Now, like I said, animals aren't human, but let's be honest. Sometimes they act a whole lot better than humans, don't they? If we're honest here, love is hard. Sometimes it's hard to value people. Sometimes it's, it's hard to love people, especially people that mess up over and over again. People like me. Yes, I said it. It's easy to think about other people and how they stink at life and disappoint everyone and, and are dishonest and can be hateful. I can be that way too. So can you. We're all just people. But despite how hard it can be to love people, what our calling is from Psalm 8 is because God has placed so much value on humanity, on people, we must see people the way God sees people. As those created in his image with value based on their very God-given identity. Not the identity they create for themselves that leads to destruction, but the identity God has given. And oh, that the world would see this as his creation. That's what Vacation Bible School in part is all about, helping the children to see this. That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That they're not what the world tells them they are, that they're the product of random chance. 
As life moves on and is lived, we can become harder and harder, though. And this is why we must start teaching children at a young age that they are of immense value. That they are made in the image of God and that they have the opportunity to glorify their creator. Again, this is why we do what we do at Vacation Bible School. So that children will learn who they are in God's eyes. But here's the reality. If they don't see who they are in your eyes first, it's very hard for them to see who they are in God's eyes. This is why faith in Jesus Christ is so very important. And in fact, the third so what of this passage is Jesus Christ. A term is used there in verse 4 that points to him. It's the term son of man. The, the use of it here in the Old Testament sense is referring to mankind or humanity, right? People in general, if you will. But we know something about the Psalms in the Old Testament, don't we? We know that the old points forward to the new. And because of that, there's a double meaning here when Psalm 8 talks about the son of man being placed over all things. Yes, this is talking about the order of creation, all all that with Adam and Eve first and Noah and now us. But it's also pointing forward to Jesus, the Son of Man. This is pointing forward to the reality revealed about Jesus. It's too long to put on the screen, but I want to read it to you. This is in Hebrews chapter. Author of Hebrews says about Psalm 8 and what it really means. This is Hebrews 2, 6 and following. It says, but someone somewhere has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings for a short It's what we just read from Psalm 8, but this is coming from the book of Hebrews. And then it says, for in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that it's not subject to him, talking about Jesus. As it is, we do not see everything subjected to him, but we do see Jesus. Made lower than the angels for a short time so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone. Crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. For in bringing many sons to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the source of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. The third point, or the third so what of Psalm 8, is that Psalm 8 points us to Jesus. You know, in talking about us being crowned with glory and honor as the pinnacle of creation, we find out from the author of Hebrews that real glory and honor comes to us Through Jesus Christ. What a glorious promise this is. Jesus is the fulfillment you see. Yes, we were created at the pinnacle at the top, but we messed up big time. And yet Jesus redeems us. Taking all of our sin on himself. And giving us all of his righteousness. That's what this is really all about. And the glory of this is that if you trust in him. All those promises of Psalm 8, they're yours because we share in his glory. In closing, the question is in light of this, have you trusted in him ultimately? For you see, the promises of Psalm 8 only belong to those who belong to Jesus. For it is only through Jesus that we can fulfill Psalm 8. If you have trusted in him, marvelous, cherish Christ Jesus. Stand in awe of God's glory. And remember how God sees people.
and our calling to see them the same, to love them. But if you have not done this, turn to Christ. And if you do in light of these things, then you too can say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, because he'll change you. He'll give you new eyes that can see in ways that you can't see now. He'll take your heart of stone, and it may not feel like a heart of stone, but it is. He'll take your heart of stone and give you a real heart of flesh that beats with purpose, with meaning in a world that is so meaningless. Turn to him today. If you want to talk, come and grab me. I'll I'll be up here, and we'll go talk. But let us all stand in awe of the majesty and wonder of God. Let's pray. Our God and our Father. What a glorious thing it is to be your children, with Christ as our brother, with you as our father, and with our inheritance being the kingdom of God itself. We do not know why you do what you do often enough. I do not know why you called me to be your own, but I don't have to. I can be grateful instead and say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It is my prayer in observing your majesty that you would give me your heart. That my heart would be focused on what your heart is focused on. That that my wants would be your wants. And Father, if anyone else here desires these things, I pray that you would give it to them. That we would seek your face together. And all for your glory and our good. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we close our time together, please stand with me as we sing about the King himself. Lead on, O King Eternal, hymn number 332. Please stand.
Again, I'd ask folks that are willing to help to stay after, especially deacons, receive now the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.